Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always pleasing in your sight. Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. So Matthew Matthew tells us, he's going to tell us how it all went down. And I mentioned at the start of Advent that Matthew is a special kind of story. It's a gospel, and a gospel is a kind of story that aims to change you by the end of it. So we must pay attention, because sometimes when we have heard a story that is very familiar to us, we stop listening. Isn't that right, my husband over there? Yeah, you're not even paying attention. Right. You think you've heard that story before, you just kind of tune out and you stop paying attention. But this is a very different story. So thank you to the children for helping us tell the story this morning, and they help us see it and imagine it, but it's really different to imagine what is happening. It's really hard to see what's happening inside each of the characters, to know what they are thinking and what they're feeling. So Matthew is really helpful because he gives us clues, but pay attention because maybe this story isn't as familiar as you think it is. We know Mary's pregnancy causes Joseph to make plans to divorce her discreetly, but why? And the interpretation that you've probably heard is that Joseph is a very righteous man, and he's aware of the laws, like in Deuteronomy 22, that say a woman caught in adultery must be stoned to death. But he has compassion, and he decides to keep things quiet, to help Mary avoid public disgrace, it says in the verse for her infidelity. Fred Craddock, the distinguished preacher and scholar, has called Joseph the first great interpreter of Scripture in the New Testament because Joseph subordinates texts like Deuteronomy 22 that says that she must be stoned for texts like Micah 6, 8 that says, do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. In other words, Joseph discerns and acts upon a justice that's deeper than mere legal justice a theme that his son, Jesus, will talk about at length for the rest of his life. Against the shadows of hateful violence dressed up as law, Joseph acts with merciful love, and that's how our gospel story begins. So Joseph plans to dismiss Mary quietly, but then an angel appears to him in a dream, assures him that Mary has in fact been faithful and that the pregnancy is from the Holy Spirit, and that he, Joseph, precisely as a son of David, has a role to play. He is to name the child Jesus, meaning God saves, to serve as the child's human father and to participate in the story of salvation. We heard echoed in the ancient words of the Isaiah prophecy this morning. And that's usually how the story is told on Advent 4. But there is another ancient interpretation that we have from Aquinas and Jerome and from Origen and many more. They read it differently because there are three details in the gospel that do not match that interpretation. First of all, the first interpretation assumes that Joseph initially learns of Mary's pregnancy without any explanation or reference to the Holy Spirit. But Matthew plainly says that's not true. The very first verse says she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. According to Matthew, Joseph is aware of the Spirit's involvement from the beginning. And second, the word translated in the NRSV as to expose her to public disgrace is a long Greek word called degmetasai. See, I can't even say it. Which means to expose or to make a spectacle of. But exactly what Joseph doesn't want to expose isn't clear. Is it Mary's illicit pregnancy, uh, as the familiar interpretation would have it? Or is it Mary's pregnancy by the Holy Spirit? which would surely make a spectacle of her, and that would draw a crowd 
Maybe he wants to protect her. And third, if Joseph thinks that Mary has betrayed him, he might expect the angel in his dream to say, don't be angry or don't be heartbroken. Instead, the angel says, don't be afraid. In many scriptural stories, being afraid is indeed the first human response to divine presence. So it would make sense if Joseph's first reaction to Mary's divine and human pregnancy was fear. Maybe the angel's message wasn't, hey, this child's from the Holy Spirit, not another man, so don't be afraid to take her as your wife, but rather, hey, don't let the fact that the child is from the Holy Spirit make you afraid to take Mary as your wife. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever been afraid to do something because it just seemed too huge and overwhelming? Maybe it seemed a terrifying responsibility to take on because what if you mess it up? Have you ever shrunk back from something because you wondered if you were the right person for it? Did you question whether or not you were worthy to do it? What is Joseph afraid of? Perhaps he's afraid of getting in the way of God's work. After all, doesn't Isaiah's vision of God's sign feature a young woman who is pregnant with child, not a young married couple? Or perhaps Joseph is afraid of overstepping his calling, unable to see the role of an ordinary man like him in God's glorious play of redemption. Perhaps he considers himself unworthy of being the stepfather to God's child. Or maybe he's unnerved and bewildered that God, the author of creation, whom no one had ever seen and lived, according to Exodus 33, has come so unimaginably and intimately close. But then the angel appears to Joseph in a dream. Do not be afraid, son of David. You have a role to play, he tells him, to welcome the child into your lineage, to help name him, to help raise him, and to support Mary at every step along the way. Which in interpretation of that story appeals to you? The good news is that the gospel and scripture is multivalent. There's probably truth in both of them. What we do know is that Joseph awoke from his dream, took courage, and did exactly as the angel of the Lord commanded him. Matthew's point is to ensure we understand the continuity of the Old Testament prophecies, that all of this took place in connection with Isaiah's vision, the vision that was spoken by Isaiah to ensure a nervous king of God's presence with them was that the virgin will conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And so following the angel's instruction, Joseph names the child Jesus, which means God saves. But for Matthew, Isaiah's Emmanuel, God with us, shines through. This story is not just about miraculous births and being saved from sin, although it is about that, but just as much about calls to courage and to face the self-doubt that we all have, and God saving us from those doubts. In effect, the newborn's name will be the God who saves is with us. So like Mary, let us prepare ourselves to bear the Christ. And like Joseph, let us take courage that we are worthy of the Son of God to draw very near. Let us pray. Purify our conscience, almighty God by your daily visitation, that your son Jesus Christ at his coming may find in us a mansion prepared for himself, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. <laughs>